Everybody else, if you would please take a Bible and turn to Luke chapter 24. We're going to be spending all of our time um, in Luke 24, so you would do well to open that. If you don't have a Bible with you, please uh, take one of the pew Bibles in front of you and find that. And if you don't own a Bible, please keep that Bible as a gift from us to you. I'm going to have you vote today on something. Um, It's purely opinion, so you cannot vote wrong. But I have uh, some items over here that have all come from my office And I'm going to try to get you to, at the end of the sermon, to see if you can guess which one of these is my favorite. Um, I'm going to, I'll just show you what they are. Most of you can't see the one on the floor. Um, I think this was given to me uh, a couple years ago, and it's got scripture on it, only one with Bible verses on it, and it says pastor, and it's got a nice little uh, encouraging saying there to remind us of what a pastor is supposed to be. That's one thing from my office. And then... I've got this one here. I remember when I got this. Uh, this was a gift on Pastor Appreciation Month one year. And uh, folks were putting all kinds of sheep in my front lawn, cardboard sheep on sticks. And I also got this that year. And so I appreciate that and uh, see it every day. I just got this recently. And um, some of you up in the, in the back might not be able to see that. That's a beautiful a uh, picture of a, of a lion and then an outline of Jesus Christ with a crown of thorns on it. Seeing a pretty familiar theme here so far. Pretty spiritual office I have so far. And then we got this one. And uh, that's an octopus. I don't have any spiritual application to give you <laughs> when I share that octopus. That's the four to choose from. I'm going to see if from our time in Luke 24, if you're able to guess which one of those I like the most. As we're in Luke chapter 24, this is a familiar passage that we oftentimes will look at when we come to Resurrection Sunday. For the child of God, the empty tomb is everything in our hope. For individuals who do not know Jesus Christ, this might not be that special of a day for them. Or perhaps it's special because they get to go on an egg hunt. Or perhaps they get together with family and celebrate. Maybe it's become something special for other reasons besides the empty tomb. What we will look at today is two individuals specifically who are blessed in a way that no one else ever would be again. We're going to look at a big sermon that was delivered to a tiny congregation today. And as we look in Luke 24, I'm encouraged by a number of things. But what I see first here is that you and I, when we walk in this present world, we have to be prepared for crisis. And it's very important how we respond in times of crisis. Jesus' followers at this point, they were in crisis mode. Everything that they had been thinking, that had been building up for months and for years for some of them, everything at this point had changed. And they don't know what the next step is. Have you had that experience in life? 
something comes up, a crisis, and you don't know what to do next. It's a familiar story, but I want you to keep that in mind, these followers of Christ in crisis mode. We'll start reading in verse 1 of Luke 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their heads to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. We understand that when this takes place, um, it was great news for us, of course. And it's good news for the followers of Jesus Christ in that day. But they're still in crisis mode. They don't know what the next step is. Their leader was gone. The playbook was gone. Even ones that maybe stepped up in the group to lead, boy, they seem like a disappointment. Likely worded traveled about Peter, who just a little bit ago had denied he even knew Jesus Christ three times. And so what will they do in crisis mode? The vast majority of your life and my life is not spent in crisis mode. 99.9% of the time, we're not in crisis mode. But what happens when we hit that crisis? What do you do? I was testing my son um, uh, last summer, and uh, we were at the airport and traveling home from a vacation, and the flight got canceled, and it got bumped. And he's an adult, a young adult, and so I decided to test him a little bit. And I said, okay, if you're by yourself in this airport and this happens, what do you do? And I love his response. He said, I call mom or dad, is exactly what he said. (laughs) And I said, well, yes, yes, but you see, I was trying to get him ready for something by himself. Something where he couldn't call mom or dad. Jesus Christ is getting his followers ready for something when he will not physically be there with them. They are in crisis mode. Now, there's a common response with most people when we hit a confrontation or a crisis. Some people will respond with, fight! Some people respond with flight. Many of you are familiar with that. When we think of small children, when we think of people that are immature and they're challenged with something, they grab a hold of the first thing they think might help. I can recall as a child uh, being afraid in bed, thinking there was a monster in the room. There's a monster in the room, the monster's going to get me. I was also afraid to get out of that bed because there was a consequence if I got out of my bed when I was supposed to go to bed. And so as a child, what was the one layer of defense that I had to protect me from that monster that worked every time? It worked every single time. Some of you know it. The blanket. Take the blanket, pull it up over your head, and it's like some kind of a super shield to protect you from the danger that is there in your room. And we smile at that. And we laugh because we know there really is no monster. 
And we know that blanket really is not offering any protection. But what happens when we go into real crisis mode? What happens when there is danger? What can we do? When we cannot count on anything that we have, our resources, our expert, I can't call mom or dad to help, what is it that can help? And these words have not been put to pen yet, but I believe Jesus Christ very much so wanted his followers to remember these words because Jesus was working in them for months and for years And he's about to leave. And what Jesus wants them to recall are these words. The one who started a good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it. When you and I find ourselves in crisis mode, we need to remember that it is not our abilities It is not our resources that we need to hold on to the most. It is the promise of the one who owns all things, who has all power, and has promised to always be with us. When we are in crisis mode, you need to trust the one who knows what to do next, even when you don't. All right, let's go ahead and look at these two characters. This is probably my favorite uh, little offshoot story from the Easter story. These two men that are traveling on the road to Emmaus. Skip down to verse 13. We have the name of one of these followers of Christ, but not the other. And this is not any of the 12 or the 11 disciples that were left. Starting in verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. And then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? Can can I just stop us for a moment? Does God, did God the Son, Jesus Christ, ever ask a question because he did not know the answer? No. He always knew the answer. So why is he asking them this question? They have a lesson that they are to learn from that. All right, verse 19, and he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. 
Now some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. And so when crisis comes, we need to hold on to the one who knows the next step. But let me encourage us to go beyond that. You need to be, if I can use this expression, building a toolbox. You need to have more tools the more you go through life. The more tools you have when you come across a challenge, you're going to be better prepared for that. I've done that before. I know exactly the right tool to use. Grab that tool and use it. And right here, these men are going to be given a unique tool to use inside the toolbox. And that's the next lesson that I see here in Luke 24. We have to add understanding to our knowledge. Knowledge is something that many, many people have. There are many people who have um, just an incredible mind to remember things. There are many people who work very, very hard at getting knowledge. But knowledge is not enough. These two men had incredible knowledge. But the knowledge was not enough. They needed to add to their knowledge understanding. What tools would Jesus' followers have? Well, if they were raised in a good Jewish home, these boys would have memorized very much Torah growing up. They would have memorized what we call the Old Testament scriptures. And so look down in verse 25. And he said to them, this stranger who encountered them on the road, and they didn't know who he was, he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is toward evening, and now the day is far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found, they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told, what had happened, they, to, they told them what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now, in my Bible, I have a little note written next to this, and it's one word, and it says, jealous, right next to it. I wish I could have been right there with these two that were walking on the road to Emmaus. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, appears to them, shows concern, and then he opens the Scriptures. The knowledge that they likely already had, 
Jesus is going to add understanding to the point where it says their hearts would burn within them when he was explaining it. And so could you see Jesus' three points in a poem in the sermon there? Did you see that? I didn't see his three points, nor his closing illustration. What was in this sermon? What would Jesus say to them without the story that we focused on today of the empty tomb, without the New Testament Scriptures, what could Christ tell them that would make their hearts burn within? Well, I've got a suspicion of some places where Christ might have went. So they've got this road. Do you remember how long the road was? It was about seven miles. And he's got all that time to talk to them. What might Jesus have mentioned to them? Let me just share with you what's missing, the tool they did not have. They did not see in their leader, in their Messiah, they did not see a need for pain in his story. It was removed in their minds. And so what can Jesus tell them that would add that to their knowledge of the Bible already. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I have to imagine that he would have said from Psalm 22 also, they have pierced my hands and my feet and my clothing were cast for lots. Can you just see the the light bulb starting to go off? I imagine Christ would refer to Psalm 69, for my thirst they gave me sour wine. The prophet Zechariah chapter 11 says that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. We just saw that. Isaiah 53 verse 7, he opened not his mouth to defend himself. This confused everybody. Why would he not defend himself? Also the prophet Isaiah chapter 50 He would give his back to those who strike and give his cheeks to those who pull out the beard. These followers of Jesus Christ had knowledge in place and God is going to pour understanding into them now. The knowledge of these prophecies were there, but they could not connect the dots that Jesus Christ, the one they followed and loved and they wanted to keep following, had to suffer. Everyone in this world has sinned, and there must be a punishment for that sin. And there are many who will take that punishment themselves and be separated from God forever in a place called hell. But for those who hear about the good news of Jesus Christ, they will not have to suffer in a place called hell. Does that mean there was no wrath from God for sin? No. The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus Christ. The punishment for your sins and mine were taken on Jesus Christ. And all I have to do is accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and Redeemer. And I get everything that God has promised. The wrath is very much real. 
The wrath was horrible, and they did not have in their minds this pain that Jesus would have to go through. They needed to add something in their heart to what was in their head. I received a text message this past week. It's from a neighbor of mine, and uh, they send their child, uh, two of their kids actually, to our Wednesday uh, Bible Club. This particular child is three years old, and the mom snapped a photograph of the three-year-old right before bedtime reading a book. Uh, Here's the book that the three-year-old is reading. The mom asked me for a copy of it. It's called The New City Catechism, 52 Questions and Answers for Our Hearts and Minds. Um, Do you remember how old the child was? How old is the child? Do you remember? Three years old. Okay. What's this child being read? Can't read yet. Question, why must the Redeemer be truly human? Answer, that in human nature he might on our behalf perfectly obey the whole law and suffer the punishment for human sin. How old is the child again? Do you remember? Three. Let's, go, let's, do, let's do another one. Question. Since we are redeemed by grace alone, through Christ alone, must we still do good works and obey God's word? Answer. Yes. So that our lives may show love and gratitude to God, and so that by our godly behavior, others may be one to Christ. How old is the child again? Three years old. Little girl's name is Hallie. She's sweet. She doesn't understand that. There is being drilled into her a knowledge of it. And the prayer of her mom and her dad, who are wonderful Christian folks, is that they will drill into her this knowledge and that someday the light bulb will go on. And there will be an understanding. And just to to close and to connect maybe you and I with these two followers of Jesus Christ. They did not have a place for pain in Jesus' life in their thinking. And Jesus Christ opened the word to them. And I have to think that he brought up every scripture that talked about suffering that he would endure. I have to believe that he brought those up. And you and I cannot and will not know the theology of joy until we understand the theology of pain. Our God is so good that he allows us to experience forgiveness. And we have a heaven someday that will be pain-free. But here in this present world, if you really want to know the greatest joy that God has for you, the road that you have to go down to get there sometimes is a road where you cannot see the sun. And for you and I, that pain that we go through is for such a short season. And God looks at you and he has something for you as his child, something unique. You see, God the Father created this world. He has so much power, so much ability, and and so much beauty at his fingertips. God can do anything that he wants. 
And what God wants, what the next step is, is for you to be a part of something in his plan. Why would he use me? That's a, that's a pretty poor choice, Heavenly Father. Why would he use you? You see, God looks at you, and you are a part in what he wants to make happen in this world. And no one likes to be afraid. And I have to imagine that for these two followers of Jesus Christ, now they took off, and they read the rest of the story sometime today or tomorrow morning in your devotions. They took off, they ran back to Jerusalem seven miles, and they told the 11 that were waiting and the others with them that Jesus appeared to them, He is risen. And these two guys were on the receiving end of that sermon. And I have to believe they shared it with them, and then Pentecost would come very soon, and these guys shared that story. I imagine probably the biggest thrill for the rest of these guys' lives was finding somebody who they had not yet told this story to. Yes, you've heard about Jesus. You heard about the one who was crucified. You've heard the stories about him being risen from the dead. I've got to tell you my story. You've got to hear my story. And I imagine nothing gave them greater joy because Jesus Christ, the King of the universe, took an interest in them. All right, class, you got your voting hands ready to vote? I've got four items that are all in my office. I told you a little bit about each of them. Um, How many of you think that this one that has the only one with Bible verses on it, uh, how many of you think this one's my favorite? Raise your hand. All right, okay. Okay, good. All right, put your hands down. All right. How about this one here? Special gift that one event when everybody was showing their kindness to me. How many of you think this one is my, is my favorite thing? Raise your hand, keep them up. All right, good. Number of hands. All right. This is the newest one. Still intact. No glass involved. Only one with our Savior's like, likeness on it. How many of you think this is my favorite one that's there? All right, put your hands down. Octopus. Does anybody think this is my favorite? Raise your hand. All right. Now, we're, we're divided. We've got votes for all four of them. Those of you who voted for the octopus are the winners today. I didn't tell you everything about the octopus. My child made this. Understand the power that your heavenly father has to create anything he wants to do whatever he wants. The next step, the next thing is for him to use what might appear to be feeble, what might appear to be the least valuable. And when God uses you, his redeemed child, to bring about something that lasts for eternity, that is beauty. Our Heavenly Father loves us so much And his ways are not our ways. His ways are better. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, how often I struggle with inadequacy, those feelings. How often I struggle with uh, the tasks that are before me. How often I see my own failures and my own sin and my own shortcomings. And how often I would go into crisis mode and would want to just bury my head under the covers. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, that I have one who knows me, who knows my steps. I have one that one day years ago started a work in the life of Jeremy Lazell. And I have a promise that you will complete it. And I thank you for the millions and millions of other men and women, boys and girls, that you have started a good work in their life. Would you allow them to believe that you will complete it and then to be faithful, to move forward and trust the one who knows the next step even when we do not know it. I know there was so much fear in the hearts of those followers of Christ so long ago. And I think that helps prepare us today for fear. Fear cripples us sometimes. And we thank you for what you've given us. We thank you. I thank you for pain. I thank you for joy. And I ask God that you would work in our hearts to help us to know the incredible joy that we have comes in a path that we did not plan. While we have our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to ask the piano to play through. We never like to close one of these services without inviting someone to invite Jesus Christ into your life. Many people have had a knowledge of Jesus Christ, maybe grown up knowing that Jesus Christ is God and died on a cross. But maybe it's just been a knowledge that's in your head but not in your heart. Even in this moment, you can ask Jesus Christ to forgive you and save you. He died for your sins. That wrath of God doesn't have to be poured out on you in a place called hell, but instead you could be forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. If God's leading you to pray a prayer of forgiveness right now, just start the prayer. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I see what Jesus did, and I want forgiveness. Start the prayer. Let the Holy Spirit help you continue it. There are others here that are so afraid of pain, so afraid of failure. Oftentimes we're afraid when we don't know the next step. Take a moment to pray. Ask God to help you. Ask God to help you to not have to have the right answers in those times of crisis, but to know the one who knows the next step. Amen.